0: Belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for April 17th, 2022, Easter, is called Looking for Resurrection. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Mount Sequoia Clap Auditorium in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Amen. Yeah. again, we're really glad you're here. For those watching on the live feed or listening on the podcast, my name is John Ray. This is Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas. Like I said earlier, it's, it's hard to imagine a time without cell phones, without GPS, without the constant stream of information we have around us, isn't it? I mean, when we, just even when you forget your phone, right? Like somewhere and you have to go like 30 minutes without your phone in your pocket. It feels unnatural now with that. It's hard to imagine that that was the norm for our lives. That we had to navigate with paper maps. No matter, no idea whether there would be a traffic slowdown, detour, speed traps, or accidents. Making plans in advance with people and then trusting. Just trusting that they would meet us where they said they were going to meet us with no up-to-the-minute text keeping us aware and constantly appraised of their process. It takes work to remember how a person could function in such a world. But we did. I mean, we did function in that world. But it took a lot of faith. And I know we don't normally think about it that way, but it took faith to operate in that world. I think about that as I read our text for this week. We're going to look at probably the least popular Easter passage there is in the gospel today. This is not one that is often proclaimed on this day in the church. Unlike the other account, it ends just with the testimony of a young man dressed in a white robe telling a few of Jesus' followers that Jesus had risen from the dead to head to Galilee where they will find him. In Mark's version of the story, once we we disregard everything after verse 9, which we'll talk about, we don't know what they find. We, We don't know what happens. And we've talked about this, that this is this particular gift that Mark gives us, that we have to examine, that unlike the other Gospels, There is no birth narrative in Mark. There's no story of of Jesus' early childhood or birth or anything like that. And there's no witness to the resurrection at the end. And yet this, this proto-gospel was given, this was the first testimony that the church wrote down. This was the first thing they recorded, committed to writing. And so they had to believe that it was sufficient in some way to tell us what we need to know about Jesus. So we're asking ourselves, well, what do we need to learn then? What do we need to learn from this testimony of Mark? Well, we're going to find out this morning, I think that the, the big idea this news is that the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate reorienting of the story in our broken world. And that no matter how broken things get, from the personal to the global, all is being healed and restored by the resurrection of Jesus. It changes everything. But as happens with all massive change, it is also profoundly disorienting. We're having to unlearn the way we thought the world worked. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen in one Sunday morning. It doesn't happen through just a simple course. No, it takes a lifetime of practice for this reorientation to set in. Well, let's look at our text here, and then we'll talk about it. Mark 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought aromatic spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They had been asking each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled back. Then they went into the tomb and saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look. There is a place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples, even Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Then they went out and ran from the tomb for terror and bewilderment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone and were afraid. Now, if you have your Bibles here, and I know we've kind of gotten out of the habits of carrying our physical Bibles, but if you're looking on your phone in, in your Bible app, you will see that there are verses, some versions of the Bible continue on for a few more verses with that. If, if, it, is a, if it is an up to date Bible, those words will either be set apart, they will have like parentheses around them, or they'll be in a different uh, type font, which tells us something. We talk a lot about this at Grace Church with, with having to understand how we read the Bible, how we. Engage the scripture. Whenever you see that in a text, whenever you see that set apart, it's there to tell us something. Well, the verses 9, from 9 on, according to most of the manuscripts, most of the scholarship we have, they weren't included in the original version. There's a thing called a gloss in our scripture. And a gloss is usually when we read back and we discern and we understand and we study and we look at it, we understand that, that those words or those, that idea or maybe a, a, a verse that's put in there was actually added later. Sometimes much later to the, to the story. Now, that doesn't mean there's not something there for us to learn. There is definitely something there for us to learn, but it also doesn't have the same weight as the rest of the text. We have to understand that a gloss doesn't have the same weight as the rest of the text. And so when we look at it, and we're, again, we're trying to peel back to Mark. We're looking at the most original version of this. The most original version ends with, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid, period. It's a little unsettling, isn't it? It's a little unsettling that there is no account of what happened when Peter and the disciples went ahead to, this, to Galilee. It's a little unsettling when we don't find Jesus walking on the amazed road you know, with the disciples as we looked at a few weeks back. It's a little unsettling when like, not like John, he's not baking fish and welcoming and telling people, or Matthew, he's given the Great Commission. Like, No, we just we, the story ends with the, the disciples fearful, bewildered. And I I think, if I had to guess, I would guess that those additional verses in Mark were put there by future well-intentioned people wanting to resolve that tension. They were uncomfortable with it. They thought we would be uncomfortable with it. And, And honestly, we are. We don't like a story that ends like that. We want a resolution to the story. And, and because they had evidence from other places, they didn't make it up. We see a lot of, of what's in that, those additional verses reflected in other places. They, they kind of said, oh, hey, well, we know these other things from these other sources. Let's go ahead and just have Mark <laughs> write the rest of the story in here so we can resolve this tension. So even, even in that, it's instructive. Even in that, Scripture instructs us how, as human beings, we don't like open-ended things. We don't like stories that end without that resolution that we long for. Even I think even the gloss is inspired in a specific way, but maybe not the way they thought. Maybe not the way the people who wrote it thought, But it is, it's instructive to us with this. We're just so uncomfortable with this hanging ending. We rush to comfort and to answer and to tie things up with a neat bow. Although I'm not exactly sure how that ending in Mark puts a neat bow on things, but that's another time. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn from kind of this hanging ending of Mark? If I dare say it, an Easter without the witness of risen Jesus. An Easter with just the promise of it. The rumor of it. What do we do with that? Well, I think there's some very important things here. I think the first thing is, just like those three women. And listen, make no mistake. The most obedient people at the end with Jesus were the women. The dudes all fled. It was the women who were faithful, who came. And they were the first to know. They were the first, even in their bewilderment and fear, they were the first to start to comprehend what had happened with this. But just like them, we're called to walk by faith often just going on what others have told us. We don't know what it means. Listen, Christianity, Christianity is an astounding collection of really fundamentally confusing things at times. The testimony of the Word is so epic in its scope and the and the truth claims it makes are so profoundly different than those we find just anywhere else. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of faith. And oftentimes we're asked to act on the faith of just what other people tell us. We have no personal experience of ourselves. We're, this culmination, this gathering here this morning, I love it, we're from the youngest to the oldest in here. We're following in a 2,000-year-old tradition. We didn't create church in the 21st century. Nobody in this room just thought up this idea of Sunday morning gatherings like we do. No, we're, we're interpreting and living and going by what has been handed down to us. We are walking by faith. And I think that that opens the door for, it doesn't close off questions, it actually opens the door for questions. Walking by faith invites your doubts, it invites your questions, it invites you to interact with it. I think about the questions that they were asking. Like when he said, go ahead, Jesus will be there to Galilee. Really? Will he, really? Why are we going back to Galilee? What's back in Galilee? How? How do we know he's going to be there? Just like with the maps, right? Hey, I'll meet you at so and so, and they're like, okay, okay, I guess he's going to be there. We're going to go. Who will roll away the stone? How do we do this? How do we navigate our life? Who is this young dude in white? On the—is that an angel? Is that a person? What, what's happening here? And what does this mean if Jesus is raised? Is he really not dead? Is his body been stolen? As some people are going to report. What's happening? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the world? When we're called into this life of faith, it opens the floodgates of what if, what, what, how, what, how are we going to do this? Y'all, we need to recapture that idea that calling us to faith is calling us to bring our whole selves to Jesus. Questions and all with that. Following Jesus is often full of doubt. Jesus welcomes the doubters, the questioners. The only thing is ultimately necessary, though, is to follow. The dangerous side of doubt in questions is that it paralyzes us. It's that we stay there. We get calcified into inactivity by them, paralyzed by it, and we have to get up and follow. And even though the story ends, again, we know with them, with, with these disciples saying nothing to no one because they were terrified, we know that they didn't stay there. We do know that. We know from other testimonies they got up and they did what they were told to do. And you know what? It's okay if what we learn terrifies us. This is the second thing. It's okay. It's okay if as we walk in this life of faith and we're invited into this community of faith, this ragtag community of misfits and, you know who are trying to follow Jesus together if once we get in there we're confronted with ideas and things that, that challenge us that scare us it's okay we constantly need to reject the idea that if something is true it's easy if something is true it's comfortable If something is true, it's understandable. We have to let go of that. We have to quit trying to conform truth to our comfort and understandability level with it. Now this doesn't diminish that the fact that the resurrection of Jesus is good news or that the gospel itself gives life. Our reception of this says much more about us than it does about the message. Our temptation is so often to change the message than to be changed by the message. Can I get an amen for that in this world? I don't know about the rest of y'all, but the world that I live in, it seems like it is shattering into Groups who want to form the message according to their particular policies, worldview, way of seeing things. And as Christians, our priority is to be changed by the message, not to change the message to fit us with that. Well, and in this, the last thing is. Look, I, I don't want to diminish the, the testimony of the other books. This will probably be the only, the only Easter that I ever preach from Mark. Okay? So, so you got that to look forward to, right? We'll be back to the others. But because we were going through this, and because in, in, in particular in the world that we're living in right now, and the trauma that we've come out of, the collective trauma of, of all the things over the past few years globally and societally, and then for many of us personally, we need to give place we need to give place to sit with these three disciples in confusion even on easter even on easter we can sit with these women these disciples and say i don't know what's happening i don't know what's going on everything i invested in everything i hope for we talked about it at our tenebrae service friday night it's like, what happens when hope dies? What happens when everything you hoped, everything you bet on, everything you hoped for, everything you worked for, everything you counted on, craps out. It's a bust. You're all in on your hand, and if somebody else is holding a better hand, you lose it all. What happens in that space? There's space even for that at Easter. There is space even for that today. But we are not left alone. We are told to do something. And that's, the, that's where the faith comes in. <clears throat> in. Even with all of that, we're not left alone. We're given this testimony. We're given this instruction. Look, just, just follow. Just follow. And so, yeah, I hope, I hope. And you may be here, and man, that is great. I've been there before. I get it. Some days at Easter, it's like, hallelujah. I feel it. I feel it. It is awesome. We are going. Jesus, I see him. I feel him. Let's do this thing, right? Like, I, that's awesome. And I hope more and more that's my experience. But there are some years, there are some times, and there are some places where we're in where the most we can do is in our terror, in our disorientation, in our confusion, in our anger, in our questions, just go, hoping that it's going to turn out. No GPS, no constant texting, just a map that says, I'll be there when you get there. I'll be there when you get there. And so we go in faith, and we walk after Jesus in this. Not every Easter is the same. Some years it is going to be just like Luke. We're going to be walking along the road, having a conversation with someone, and bam, we're going to get the revelation. It's Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now as we transition into this time. Not every year is Easter like it ends in Matthew with this grand commissioning to go out and proclaim what we have seen, seen ourselves. Not every Easter is it going to be like with John, with Jesus making breakfast for us there on the beach, and we get to interact and we get to ask questions, right? Some Easter's are like Mark. They, end, they leave us with a cliffhanger. and They leave us just with a roadmap. Says, go, follow. I'll be there when you get there. We walk this out every day, every week at Grace. At Grace Church, we practice hospitality. And this practice of hospitality springs from the radical offer welcomed to us by Jesus. <clears throat> Even though our own efforts are halting and imperfect, the practice of them helps us and others more and more be conformed into the image of Jesus it is this practice that forms and informs our belief. It's something we're having to continue to practice. So like I said, today Easter is the high point of the Christian calendar. This is, our, this is our everything day. The rest of the year we're going to walk this out. The rest of the year we're going to be following. The rest of the year we're going to be making our way with the maps and with the testimonies of others. To where Jesus has called us to go. We invite you to go with us. We invite you to go with us here at Grace and do that. Also, we have communion this morning. Um, In case you're wondering why there's a jar of pickles up there, it's a long story. Come ask me. I'll tell you if you're wondering with that. Um, Our communion table is open to everyone. We believe that Jesus invites everyone. If you want some Jesus, Come to the table. Come to the table. This is where we know Jesus is. This is our witness. This is our church's witness. Jesus is here. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. Um, We also take our offering here as a symbol of worship. That no one here is without something to give and no one here is without a need. So we share. And then we have this time for reflection as well. If something has spoken to you, if you heard something, you need to to remember, write it down, take this time, reflect on it. As soon as we walk out of the store, we know world happens, life happens. So remember it now. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas Podcast. You can find more about us online at GraceChurchmwa.org. Grace and peace.